to read the Bible, but I don't know where to start. Can you help me? That's a question I've gotten a lot from a number of people over the years. And there's a lot of good places to begin to read in the Bible. But, but if you're new to the Bible, probably one of the best places to start is the book of John in the New Testament. It's one of the four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. They're all friends of Jesus who wrote about his life and story. Uh, and John is kind of unique. Rather than tell us what Jesus did and what he said, John focuses more on, really, on who Jesus is. Especially in chapters 14 through 17, where John spends a lot of time on a, on a conversation that Jesus had with his friends the night before he died. In chapter 16, Jesus gives them a word of encouragement but they have a hard time believing that it's true. So beginning in verse 6, this is what Jesus says. You are filled with grief because I have said these things. But very truly, I tell you, it is for your good that I'm going away. How can that be a good thing? Jesus is leaving them? Well, he goes on, unless I go away, the advocate will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. And when he comes, he will prove the world to be wrong. Wrong about sin and righteousness and judgment. So what's Jesus talking about? A couple chapters earlier, Jesus says that this advocate is the Holy Spirit. And what is the Holy Spirit going to do? Well, the Holy Spirit's going to prove that the world is wrong about sin. Think of somebody standing in front of a judge at the end of their trial. They hear the final verdict, guilty. It's been proven that they're in the wrong. The Holy Spirit brings conviction to the world. Now, John talks about this in his first letter. This is what he wrote. For everything in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life comes not from the Father, but from the world. So in other words, if, if it feels good, do it. If it looks good, well... Go get it. And if it makes you feel superior, well, then by all means, pursue it. That is the world's way. And John wrote that Jesus said the Holy Spirit will prove the world to be in the wrong about sin and about righteousness and about judgment. So here's... Here's how that works. Sin, sin is the truth about people. And righteousness is the truth about God. People are sinful, all people, all the time. And that's the truth. And God is righteous and good all the time. That's the truth. 
But when, when the goodness and the righteousness of God collides with the sinfulness of people, what's the result? Well, there's the third truth. Judgment. And that's the work of the Spirit in the world. Proving that people are sinful, that God is good, and that when they come together, there's judgment. So Jesus says more in verse 9. About sin, because people do not believe in me. About righteousness, because I'm going to the Father, where you can see me no longer. And about judgment, because the prince in this world now stands condemned. The world is wrong about the truth about people and the truth about God. And the prince of the world, Satan, has been defeated. The enemy's already been judged, and that's the truth. Verse 12, I have much more to say to you, more than you can now bear. Jesus says, this is a lot to process, I know, and I have more to share with you, but it's too much right now. But when he, the spirit of truth, comes, he will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on his own. He will speak only what he hears, and he will tell you what is yet to come. So here's the Spirit's main job now. Verse 14. He will glorify me because it is from me that he will receive what he will make known to you. So the Spirit takes what he hears from Jesus and communicates it to us. The work of the Holy Spirit is to shine a light on Jesus. And then verse 15. All that belongs to the Father is mine. That is why I said, the Spirit will receive from me what he will make known to you. <clears throat> In the fall of, of 2017, my wife's parents died about two weeks apart. Deb's mom had been in a nursing home for over a decade, ever since she had suffered a stroke, and Deb's dad joined her when his health began to fail. But he, his, his mind still was very sharp. In his later years, he grew more gentle and more content in his faith. Deb's mom suffered from dementia. Conversations were, with her were shorter as the years went by. And we really missed her spark, her life, her laughter, her joy. So we were preparing for Deb's mom to die. But we weren't ready when we got the call that Deb's dad was gone. At the funeral, one of the elders told me that Deb's dad recently had said to him that he had never felt closer to God than he did at that moment. Old doubts and fears were disappearing, and for the first time in his life, he finally understood 
that he didn't have anything to prove and that God loved and forgave him. During the service, I read from the book of Hebrews where it says, faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. And from Paul's second letter to the Corinthians, therefore, we do not lose heart. So we fix our eyes, not on what is seen, but on what is unseen. Since what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. That's the truth. The Holy Spirit was telling Deb's dad. And it changed him. Before we drove back to Cedar Falls, we visited Deb's mom. And for the first time in a long time, we heard her laugh. And when Deb and our daughter cried, she told them that they were beautiful not to cry, and that she loved them. What a gift. And when we left, she said, I'll see you again. And we will. A couple weeks later, we gathered together again to celebrate Deb's mom's life. I believe the Holy Spirit spoke Jesus' truth to Deb's mom and dad until the moment they took their last breath. Imagine being Jesus' friends, and he says, I'm going to leave you, and it'll be better for you if I did. And he tells them, I'm going to give you something. They must have thought... This must be an awesome gift if it's going to be better than having you here. And Jesus said, that's right. I'm going to give you a person. Jesus describes that person as an advocate or helper or counselor. The word means someone who comes alongside you to speak the truth. So Jesus says, I'm leaving, but I'm sending you someone, and this person will help you. You know, a lot of us think that the Holy Spirit is this mysterious thing, the Holy Ghost, the third person of the Trinity that we don't talk about a whole lot, kind of like the Force in Star Wars. You know, it's hard to figure out. The Bible describes it this way. There's one God who has revealed himself in three persons, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, which is hard to understand and it's hard to explain. Each person of the Trinity has a distinct personality, and yet all three of them are one God. So we've been spending the summer teaching about the Father and the Son, and this next week, It's the Holy Spirit's turn. So Jesus says, I'm leaving you someone. And he'll speak my truth to you. He'll be the best counselor that you'll ever have. You know, I often think that if I had just been alive when Jesus was on earth, 
What would it have been like to see his miracles firsthand? If I could have just sat at his feet and, and listened to him, wouldn't that be amazing? And, and maybe if I did, my faith would just be so much stronger. The disciples lived and walked with Jesus. They were there. And Jesus says to them, I'm going to leave and things are going to get better for you. So here's the truth. Listen. You have more access to everything that Jesus offers than the disciples did when they were with him. Do you believe that? We don't, do we? Jonathan Edwards, he once said that most people believe in heaven and that they'll get there, but very few live as if that truth was a daily reality. What's he saying? Well, simple. If you believe right now that heaven is real and that God, not you, has made it possible for you to go there, you'd be incredibly generous. You'd be unbelievably forgiving. You'd be extremely kind. You wouldn't be afraid of dying if you believe. Not just the words, but in the truth of those words right now. If we believe in the truth right now of the work of the Holy Spirit in our life, we have no excuse for living a completely different way. Jesus' friends found this hard to believe until they experienced it. In the book of Acts, Jesus is gone, and the Holy Spirit comes to them, and they change. They begin to live in a completely different way. Fear is replaced with confidence. Doubt is replaced with hope. Sorrow and grief with joy. Disappointment with courage. And what happens to them and through them was far more than what they accomplished in the presence of Jesus. How? Well, Jesus told them, it's going to get better because you'll have a helper, someone who will guide you into my truth. In John 14, 16, Jesus told his friends, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate to help you and be with you how long? Forever. I've been to counseling, and having someone to talk to who listens, understands, and helps is good. Some of you know what I mean. You leave feeling like a, like a weight's been lifted. You have direction. You have hope. And then a few hours later, you start to feel that weight again. The worries, the problems, the grief. It, it, it starts coming back. Jesus says, 
the counselor, the Holy Spirit is available to you. How long? Forever. And this counselor gives the best help because what he shares with you comes from Jesus. The Holy Spirit comes alongside you to speak the truth about Jesus and helps make that truth real right now and helps you change. So let me give you an example. In the early years of our marriage, I wasn't very well prepared for the challenges Deb and I would face. No, that's not true. I was absolutely not prepared. And I often did, um, I did a lousy job as a husband. I thought I was a pretty nice guy, but then I got married and I realized it wasn't just about me anymore. I don't know if anyone else can relate to that. I was in graduate school, and probably our most animated conversations were about money. How to get it, how to spend it, how not to spend it, and how to find more that didn't involve our parents. Um, We were barely making it. And then Deb got a full-time teaching job. Whoa, we were rich. She was suddenly making $15,000, and we had insurance. Add to that the zero dollars I was making, and for the first time, we were okay financially. Deb was hired to teach fourth grade. It was a rough school, and it was challenging. Much of her time was spent not as a teacher, but as a disciplinarian. And one day, she came home really upset. Her purse had been stolen. She said, I don't know if I can do this anymore. And I told her, honey, you have to. We need the money. I was not a very good counselor to my wife. Was I speaking the truth? Yes, we needed the money. But I was sharing it in a way that was impossible for Deb to hear and receive. The Holy Spirit is a great counselor. He shares the truth, and he helps you to hear it and to receive it. He helps it become real in your life right now. So here's how that works. Some of you are waiting for things to happen. If only I could get married. If only I had a better job. If only the pandemic was really over. If only things were different. And the Holy Spirit says, what you need to know is the truth about Jesus right now. It's less about what could be and more about what God is doing to you and through you right now. The Holy Spirit wants to make Jesus' truth real to you right now and help you change. So here's an example. My parents live in a retirement community up in northwest Iowa, and as the pandemic progressed last year, safety measures were put in place to protect the residents, but in spite of that, they got COVID. 
And as the days passed, they got sicker. I called every day, and I could tell that they were, they were really struggling. And I was worried. One day, my sister told me that she was going to bring them to the ER. And after getting checked out, they were sent back home again. And I wasn't sure if I should be relieved or angry. I chose angry. Why wasn't anybody taking this seriously? Couldn't they see that my parents were really sick? And whose fault was this? How did they get infected in the first place? And by the next morning, I was really ticked. I had to run an errand, which I wasn't happy about, so I masked up and I walked into the store to get it and get out as soon as I could. And I saw too many things that just annoyed me. People were invading my space. Service was slow. I wasn't a happy camper. And I was on the verge of lashing out hard at somebody. And then this thought comes to me. Blessed are the peacemakers. caught my breath, and I tried to calm down. I needed to take that truth from Jesus and make it real right now and live a different way. I can do better, and I can be better than this. And then out of the corner of my eye, I saw someone approaching me. And when I turned to them, she said, Doug, it's so good to see you. And she told me how much they had missed coming to church and enjoyed watching the live stream at home. I thanked her. I finished my errand, and I left. And to that person that I saw in the store, I apologize. I apologize for almost losing it all over you. And thank you again for your kind words. Now, that's one success story. By the way, I have had so many failures. On my own, I could do a lot of damage. But the beauty of that moment is by stopping and listening to the Holy Spirit remind me of Jesus' truth, something changed in me. And mom and dad, I know you're listening. I'm really glad you recovered, even though it took a long time. And I'm really sorry I got mad in the store. <laughs> you know, we've all been accepting too many things that aren't true. Someone told you that you are worthless. And you believe that you are worthless. You didn't feel loved as a kid. And as an adult, you wonder, am I lovable? You've been accepting things that aren't true. The Holy Spirit says, let me give you the truth. Jesus died for you. You're worth it. You are loved. God is with you. God is for you. 
believe it and live differently right now. But you may think, well, that's great, but it's just not working for me. Well, let me tell you why that may be. Probably two reasons. Number one, the Holy Spirit, the counselor, is in his office waiting to help you. But you never step through the door. He's not going anywhere. It's you. You're not opening the door. You're not setting aside time to meet with a counselor. How can you expect to live a different way if you're not open to the Holy Spirit's help? And secondly, it may not be working because you may be grieving the Holy Spirit. Listen to this from Paul's letter to the Ephesians. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit. Now, to grieve means to make sad. And these are the things that make the Holy Spirit sad. Get rid of all bitterness, rage, and anger, brawling and slander, along with every form of malice. Parents, when your kids do something they shouldn't, your hearts sink, right? You're grieved. Why? Because you can see where their behavior is going to lead if they keep it up. And that makes you sad. When we fail to open ourselves to the Holy Spirit's help, the Spirit is sad. And when we sin, and satisfy the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life, we miss the Holy Spirit's help. Our hearts become hard and calloused. We become deaf to the wise counsel of the Spirit. The Holy Spirit is waiting. The light is always on. But do we open the door? Here's the thing. Only in Christianity can we find a God who's incredibly personal. In other faiths, there are, there are these abstract gods who are far away and distant. In Christianity, God comes close to us. It's what we celebrate at Christmas, Jesus coming close to humanity. It's what we remember at Easter. Jesus died for his creation. And when the Holy Spirit came to that frightened group of Jesus' friends, God came close again to help them to speak Jesus' truth so they could live a completely different way. And that's what we need to fix our eyes on. God's help available to us right now and forever through the work of the Holy Spirit. It's the help that Jesus promised his friends, and it's the help that's available to all of us right now. I invite you to pray with me. God, I thank you that you have told us who you are as best as we can understand and we can see you as an intimate God who wants to be involved in our lives.
You've done so throughout all of history. You did so when you came as the Son to earth. You did so again when you sent the Holy Spirit after your Son joined you again in heaven. And every day since then, you have been walking with your people that you created it and that you love. We are those people today, God. We never have to invite your Holy Spirit to join us because you're already there. So for each of us, God, at this very moment, help us to believe that you are there. Help us to listen for your voice, to do whatever we need to do to be able to recognize your voice and to trust in you more and more. In the name of Jesus, in the name of the Father, in the name of the Holy Spirit, I pray. Amen.